Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Nothing like a spring blizzard to get your adrenaline going. My ride into the studio, very treacherous and hazardous. The snow is whipping around, filled up some of the traffic lights on the kind of Hennepin, Lindale, Spaghetti Junction. People were just whipping through. They couldn't see the red lights. Scary. I was scared. My heart is still beating really fast. Kids were in the car. We were on the way to piano lessons. They were like, how did you not kill us all in that intersection? And I said, that's because I looked before I... You have to look. That's what I have to tell everybody. Don't travel if you don't have to. And by goodness, if you are traveling, just keep your eyes open, your wits about you. I saw people driving around without the snow cleared off their windshield and back screen. Drives me nuts. People, take this seriously. It's it's bad. And you know what I did before, weeks ago, when I was innocent and I did not know a spring blizzard was coming? I booked a really nice group of people who have put together the prettiest mushroom book. Now, I lived a long time in this world of mushroom publications, and I will tell you what, there are some ugly, boring restaurant books and some ugly, boring mushroom guide books that are terrible. And you look at the mushrooms and you think, that's a blob. Why do I care? Uh, and then this book crossed my desk. It's called Untamed Mushrooms. It is the, a collaboration between three people, Michael Carnes, Dennis Becker, and Lisa Golden Schroeder. I have them in the show today, and I'm very excited to talk about sort of how they reached this place of this beautiful book. But I will just say, I thought we were going to be having this conversation with mushrooms about us. I thought it would be like daffodils and morels and everything was going to be spring. I didn't think it was going to be like, where's my St. Bernard with the whiskey cask on his neck? Like, not that kind of day, but that's the kind of day we're having. So, I don't know. You schedule, and then life does what life wants to do. Well, the good thing is that we have extra time today on the show because of the Twins game getting rescheduled. Uh, so we'll get into this. We'll get into this whole mushroom situation. No matter how often we get bumped for for weather for breaking weather, and it's a serious one. Do take this one seriously. Okay, it's a blizzard. All right, so you guys, Michael Carnes, Lisa Golden Schroeder, Dennis Becker, welcome to the show, and congratulations on this book. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Uh, so let's talk, um, you know, first of all, actually, I should say, listeners, do you guys ever forage mushrooms? I'll tell you my tragic mushroom. I, like, grew up in TV rooms, right? I'm that generation. We did not go outside. We know nothing of the outdoors, and so everything is a constant shock to me. But I was at a, a plant sale, and this guy had all of these, like, these these logs have been impregnated with shiitake mushrooms. And you just lean this at the bottom of a tree, you can have shiitake mushrooms. And then I was the the ridiculous, uh, you know, modern person who who walked out of there spending twenty dollars on a log. I was like, yeah, I just bought a log for twenty bucks. I did not get any shiitake mushrooms out of that. It just leaned there. I watered it, like they said. I waited two years, like they said. I think it's a, a good business model to sell 
city slickers logs, but uh, <laughs> I didn't know. So 81807, if you've had successful mushroom experiences or unsuccessful mushroom experiences, text them to us, 81807. All right, you guys. So a very interesting. So I don't, let's kind of get everybody's voices on the show. Lisa Golden Schroeder, you are a food writer, food stylist. You've been recipe developing like you're the words. And the shine, I guess. The two well, I'm, I'm just part of the words because Michael is a huge part of the words in the book. Um, the first half of the book is all about the foraging and the mushroom species, and those are Michael's words. But I wrote other words that were related to the actual cooking, preservation, um, and just getting to the table. If, if you're lucky, if you get out into the woods, which won't be today, um, and, you know, haul in a huge harvest. So this is kind of an interesting project. So you are a highly professional person in this space. Like you've been in it doing food styling and uh, all the, you know, you do those very important pictures that are on packages that are on, you know, in Betty Crocker world, in Pillsbury world, in Target world. Like those food pictures don't just make themselves. And you're the kind of high demand professional that makes you know, Archer Farms, Pop-Tart look like a million bucks. Like you're that, you know how to do that. <laughs> I do. All I right. do. But so, I don't do it alone. You don't it's, do it alone. It's always a team effort. Women never yeah. take credit for anything. So that's fine. <laughs> Keep it up. Uh, so uh, then um, Dennis Becker, you are, you're a, a, also, you've been in the space for a while. You're a photographer uh, um, in high demand. Yes. I've been a, a commercial photographer in, in uh, Minneapolis for just about 30 years, and uh, for probably for the last 20, I've shot nothing but food. And, uh, anyway. Um, so, Dennis, you have been a photographer. Um, you guys, you don't have to mess around with those. The buttons are fine. You don't have to worry about them. All right, so you've been doing this for a long time. You're, uh, like, the lens man, the photographer. You, have the, you know how to make lights so that ice cream doesn't melt. Right. I I I've done food for so long that it's Excuse Everybody's me. getting anxious. I know <laughs> it's difficult to be in the studio sometimes. It's Sorry a, about that. a lot of things are going on. We got screens everywhere, but that's all right. Just look at me. Anyway, talking about the book, the Lisa and I have done have a have a blog called Two Fish One Dish and we write stories. Re, Lisa writes the stories, I do the photography and we cover subjects um usually based around food. And we did a, uh, a story on mushrooms one year, and that's how we met Michael. And we. Um... So you've been, but let's go back a little bit. So, because I think when people open this book, they're not going to believe it. I mean, it makes the photography so beautiful. It makes a, an average Martha Stewart or Savor shoot look like that's what lazy people do or not gifted. Like, it's beautiful. There's stunning pictures of mushrooms in here. Um, and But you have been honing your craft for a really long time. Like, we're all used to now. Um, on Instagram, like everybody manages to get one good picture of a pear now and then, right? But you've been, you know how to do this. You're a highly esteemed professional. You've been doing this forever, right? That's right. And then you and Lisa were like back in a fancy food studio one day and you were like, we should do something that nobody's going to pay us for. (laughs) Well, actually, it was kind of a nice break from commercial work. Because it yeah. was just allowed us to to uh, to do our photography and writing without without any rules, and it was really you know it, it really became fun. What was really fun was learning new things about new projects. Oh, you know, and because when you... we started this blog about mushrooms, um, 
I had no clue anything about mushrooms. It was completely new to me. And so the two of you were just like, we need to find the mushroom guru of the north. And then that's how you, Michael Carnes, came into it, huh? Uh, yeah, that's how um, <laughs> I got roped into this whole thing. So tell me about you. You have land. Uh, well, I have a small 40-acre plot in Moose Lake, yeah. I'm a city kid. 40 acres sounds like quite a bit. I just I get like exhausted shoveling my 20 foot wide walk. Well, I don't shovel anything up there. <laughs> it stays where it falls. <laughs> so you have, and you're. I always get a little nervous talking to mushroom people because they're always like, "That's uh, not a mycological something or other." But you know all the details about these things. I know a lot of the details. There are a lot of mushrooms out there. Well, they're actually in the realm of millions of fungus, but there aren't that many macro fungus, you know, that actually fruit in a body that we would want to collect and eat. Yeah, let's do a little, just a, a, a mushroom primer for people. The basic idea of mushrooms, right, is that they have very many roots that can go, or what do we call them, the bottom mycelium. part? Mycelium. They have very many mycelium that clueless people may call roots, and they go into things, right? They could go into a tree or they can go into the ground. They can go into all kinds of things. And we can't see them because we don't have x-ray vision. Like we look at a tree, we can't see the mycelium. We look at the ground, we can't see the mycelium. But all kinds of stuff is happening. And then the fruiting body comes out and that's the mushroom. That's correct. All right. Yeah. So you have the, the what they call the vegetative mass, which is the mycelial mat. Which now actually is uh, the world record organism. Like it's the largest organism on the planet is a mycelial mat that's in uh, Oregon. Hmm. Well, it's because I think that people haven't looked into our mycelial mats. We might have a big one. <laughs> well, we might. You never know. It might. Discoveries are left to be made yet. This is the land of Paul Bunyan. We might have right. a really large. Paul Bunyan mushrooms. Paul Bunyan, yeah, because if they're underground. Uh, okay, so you... You have this 40 acres, and then you have, um, and you're up in Moose Lake. Well, I have 40 acres in Moose Lake. I live in St. Paul, but I, I have a little mushroom patch up there. 40 acres is a little mushroom patch. Yeah, this mushrooming thing, very interesting. Okay, so then you all found each other because you were like, we want to do this project about mushrooms, and it's amazing. So, Dennis, tell me about storyboarding. You have a very different way in to, to mushrooms. Yeah, uh, Lisa and I, when we did our, when we started our blog, we um, we started doing stories on, on different things, and kind of the kind of the workflow we've got into was we'd go out, do the story, I'd do all the photography, and then I would sit down and storyboard the whole project, and, and then uh, give it off to Lisa, and then she'd write words for it, and then it'd kind of go back and forth a little bit, but that's kind of how which kind of drives the drives the stories, and that's kind of the approach we took with this book. We and it's know. beautiful. It Thank came you. In a, it, I can see how the Hollywood storyboard kind of came in in a in a good way uh, with that. So it's really more, you know, it's more about us. It's the book has got. It's more about a story than just information about mushrooms, and it's real simple and approachable. Um, there's only 13 kinds of mushrooms in the book. Each chapter has an ID photo, which I think sets the book apart from other mush mushroom books. I've seen so many bad ID photos of mushroom books, and you're like, mm, 
That little blob? I don't know. It looks like all the blobs. Yeah, almost a, like an Autobahn approach to identification, kind of a still life art type photo. Oh, yeah, photo. I could That's see that. That's kind of what we were after. Yeah, it worked out. All right, so Dennis, you know a lot about mushrooms. What are working on this project? What did it teach you about these mushrooms? It, um, well, I've, like, I didn't know any type of mushroom at all. And after working on this project, I would find mushrooms walking my dog. Places where I've gone for the last 10 years and never looked, noticed to look, and I come home with mushrooms all the time. And I'm not really even mushroom hunting. Oh, funny. All right. So, Michael, when did, did working with these artists who are very visual, did that change your approach to mushrooms? Uh, not really, because I'm also an artist that works in the same industry as they do. So, Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Well, what are you I doing? Know. Well, I work in the photo industry with them. I do uh, digital uh, retouching, really. So oh, I'm a really? Photoshop guru on top of a mushroom guru. Oh, can you make me fake news? Can you, you bet. put me any, in any you, day of the week? You, you can, betcha. You, you take a picture of me and put me in, put me over in the Kremlin gathering mushrooms. Absolutely. I would. That's a photo I would enjoy. Um, so, so this didn't teach you anything about mushrooms. This is just a, a place to kind of. Sh- oh no, I to- learn about mushrooms every day. I mean, it doesn't matter. Anytime I go in the woods, I learn something about a mushroom. Did you have like a formative moment where you fell for mushrooms, or is it a lifelong? Um. Well, so I grew up originally in Houston, and my parents sort of did this crazy Swiss family Robinson thing when I was turning 12, where they quit living in Houston and put everything in a truck and moved to the woods in Arkansas, and we lived in a tent. A tent? Yes, while my father built a house. I I can't think of a 12-year-old in America (laughs) who would not enjoy living in very close quarters with his parents while they're having a midlife crisis. I yeah, can't was, think of anyone. Who that's would... pretty much what I had was a <laughs> midlife crisis at 12 years old. So I got that out of the way early. But that was sort of, you know, I'm now, I went from being a city slicker kid to living in the woods. And so it really prompted me to start looking at the environment. I became a crazy bird watching kid. I was in the woods all the time and you find something and you bring it back to your parents and say, you know, this is a mushroom. Can I eat this? <laughs> and they're like, no, stop. <laughs> Let's go to the library and get some books and see if you can eat something like this. Because they were, you know, back to the landers and they wanted to explore all of those things. And All right, questions I never knew I had. You can check out library books to a tent in Arkansas. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then if you do that, your kid will be really good at finding morels a couple years later. All right, so we're going to have to take a little commercial break here, probably get some weather updates from this terrifying day. But uh, we'll come back. We're going to continue to talk to the Untamed Mushrooms crew. Uh, The book is called Untamed Mushrooms. It's going to have a release event this coming up Thursday, I believe. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. That's going to be at Moon Palace. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that bookstore. South Minneapolis, Moon Palace Books. There should be all... Shoveled out by Thursday, I guess. So, I hope. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> All right, we'll find more about uh, this whole mushroom situation when we come back. Dara here. How about that blizzard? It's quite a thing. Um, all right, so I think we're going to actually just do a quick, quick uh, answering of the questions that are coming in on the text line, and then we will get back to the mushrooms next segment. We have so much to get into. Got a question, just kind of general. Oh, do you have a restaurant recommendation near Orchestra Hall for a special occasion? Well, 
downtown is in such a tumult, right? So Orchestra Hall does not have, we used to have Vincent across the street. A lot of things have moved around. But uh, in walking distance, Zalo, Z-E-L-O, Zalo is still uh, a very good Italian restaurant. I would say one of the the best places in terms of uh, service than, you know, versus any Italian restaurant in the state. So I would say that. We got a question right up my alley. Why do people still drive without their lights on when visibility is so poor? Right? Because they're trying to drive me crazy. And also you, you texter. Everybody, be safe. Put your lights on. You may think that your lights are on, but check. Maybe they're not. Maybe you've been so busy trying to not get uh, in the ditch that you didn't put them on. But put, put your lights on. I don't know why people do that. When we come back, we'll get back to mushroom questions as opposed to life questions. So you've got any mushroom questions, 81807. Dara here. I think I'm uh, coming off my adrenaline high of getting into work today through the chaos of people driving with no without wiping their backs of their windows off. How could they do it? And also, uh, you know, there's no lines on the road. It's dangerous. Don't travel if you can avoid it. It's quite scary. It's a real, real bad weather out there. And we're talking about mushrooms. Mushrooms don't care about our weather. They are under the ground. They're just like, I'd, I'm fine. I'm have a blanket for another couple of weeks. Nobody bother me. I'm chill. I think that's what they would say if they were, they're just like, hey, I'm mushroom. I'm going to outlive all of you. Uh, so because I'm a mycelium, which we learned what that is as a bunch of roots under the ground that could be the mightiest creature in the world, bigger than a blue whale, bigger than all of us, is a little mushroom. All right, so <laughs> I have the three authors of Untamed Mushrooms in the show today. They are Michael Carnes, Dennis Becker, and Lisa Golden Schroeder. Um, you guys, let's talk about – I got a question from the text line, a formative mushroom moment. I will say that my – I grew as I said, I grew up in a TV room, and I did not know anything about mushrooms. It was New York City. We were locked inside to keep us alive. And I think my first experience with mushrooms was um, – porcini powder. I was working in a restaurant kitchen and, you know, the chef was just gave me this bag of dust, said, here's how we make this sauce. Uh, You take this bag of dust, you saute it with some butter, add cream, and then later we're going to put more mushrooms in it. And that bag of dust was magic. It tasted so, it tasted like nothing. And then you put it in and you plumped it up with butter and it was so delicious. I love porcini powder to this day. So I'd say that was my formative mushroom minute uh, when I said, oh, goodness, that this, this does mean something. Um, so, Lisa, did you have a formative mushroom moment? You know, I think that like so many people, I grew up with tuna noodle casserole made with canned cream of mushroom soup. And I loved that casserole when I was growing up. Um, but I do remember that my mom would buy a little box of button mushrooms, and that was, they were expensive when I was a kid. And we had a family of five, and she would saute up those mushrooms until they were just kind of golden brown and crispy with butter. And we would have them with, you know, grilled, something grilled in the summertime. And the whole family had to share that one little eight-ounce box of mushrooms. And just loved them, loved them, but we could never, you know, have as much as I would like. And fast forward years forward when wild mushrooms and I went to culinary school in France and had chances to eat 
warm mushroom salads with, you know, sautéed whatever. It could have been porcini mushrooms or chanterelles. And, uh, you know, make a little vinaigrette in the, the skillet and pour that over, um, you know, some bitter greens. And I've always, mushrooms have always been at the top of my list as, as one of my favorite foods. I love that. I so. love that, that. That journey from the can of mushroom soup. I always kind of love that texture. Of oh, <laughs> I still kind of do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Dennis, did you have a formative mushroom moment? It wasn't eating them. It was uh, when we were working on this project, uh, Michael would go out and scout mushrooms. And it was pretty, actually pretty easy because he would just give me a call. I'd go out in the woods and there's mushrooms all over and it doesn't really work that way. But he called me one morning and we were walking out in the woods and here's this chicken of the woods on the side of a tree that you could literally see 50 yards away. I mean, it was like the most fluorescent incredible thing I'd ever seen. It was unbelievable. And that was like, this is really neat stuff. All of the pictures in your book are very beautiful, but your chicken of the woods pictures are particularly appealing because you have different sizes. I feel like we only ever see the the pictures of the chicken of the woods that are like the big, you know, cock of the walk chicken of the woods, but you also appreciate the little dudes. Right. Yeah. It's kind of nice to show the mushrooms in different, in different ways they grow. Part of the Part of the project was to show, you know, I do the ID photo in the beginning. It kind of shows this is what this mushroom looks like. It shows the underside, the overside, just a real good roadmap for what that mushroom looks like. And then the preceding photos, you know, if if scale was an issue, I tried to introduce hands. And then I wanted to show how they grow, if they grow on the ground or on the sides of trees. So it's kind of like, you know, here's what it, here's what the mushroom looks like. Here's how it grows, and here's what the the scale of it is. So it was an encounter in the woods that was, or the the many encounters in the woods. I like your Audubon analogy that you used earlier. That it's it's kind of hard for someone who doesn't have that kind of visual dictionary in their head to know what they look like. And you've obviously uh, been just grappling with that. Well, Michael, what about you? Did you have a formative? Was, this was in Arkansas, then I imagine. Did you have a first? Uh, First mushroom, then you were like, Eureka. Yeah, it was puffballs. Oh. Giant puffballs. You know, you find those. That's it's a super simple mushroom. You really can't confuse it with much of anything. And you get to bring them home and fry them in butter and eat them. Oh, you didn't want to just pop them? (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't want to eat any wild mushroom raw. Oh. They need to all be cooked very well. All right. Um, I got a question here. Somebody inoculated a fresh oak log a year and a half ago. And last fall, all the plugs were gone. Something stole them. What? What? What could have? Done, what could have stolen these mushroom plugs? Well, my best guess would be uh, woodpecker would be the, the the culprit that comes to mind right off. I love woodpeckers. They're so cute. <laughs> they they just bang their heads all day. Yep. I might identify with woodpeckers. I'm. <laughs> I too may spend some days just banging my head all day. Hopefully, somebody's looking at me and like, it's adorable. <laughs> if I could just buy, see, my $20 log that did nothing for me, if it could just lure woodpeckers around so I could look at them, I would consider that useful. Yeah. Yeah, you all think I'm nuts. You're like, woodpeckers are a problem. I'm not getting my <laughs> mushrooms. Well, <laughs> all right, we got another question. Uh, someone has loved mushrooms all their life. Is there a, a superior way to eat mushrooms? Off season, you know the the dried versus pickled versus. Michael, I bet you you know what is the best. 
Well, it depends upon the mushroom because some mushrooms dry very well as preservation and some do not. Like chanterelles do not dry particularly well. Hedgehog mushrooms do not dry well at all. I mean, the reconstituted hedgehog mushroom just is empty and hollow and is not worth bothering with. But if you saute those in butter, like in a duck cell, and freeze them, they're fabulous. Oh, do you have any opinion? I was at the wedge at the co-op the other day, and they had Oregon morels for $50 a pound. Do you have (laughs) thoughts about that? Worth it? Not worth it? Uh, depends on how bad you want a morel. And if you had a great <laughs> harvest of them last year and you dried a bunch, then you can save yourself $50 a pound. Oh, wait, I just realized we didn't answer that question. So you're saying in the, the dry versus pickled, uh, you know, frozen, that is basically you're going into a species by species really mushroom is. situation. Yep, very specific. Yeah, morels, they dry fantastically. And they, although you could also do a duck cell and freeze them as well, but. Does anybody have a kind word for the button mushrooms of the world? I like button mushrooms. I think they're kind of underrated. I have a kind word for them, I guess I'll say. Uh, I have no problem with button mushrooms. One of my greatest pet peeves about the button mushroom is that the button mushroom, in quotes, is the same species as the portobello mushroom, which is the same species as cremini mushrooms. So you pay more per pound for creminis and more per pound for portobellos, but you're buying the same mushroom. So people should go out there, and if they want to save money on creminis, they should just buy... White button mushrooms. White button mushrooms. Yeah, because that's the thing. is like they just get bigger and they get uglier. Well, in a beautiful way. They get more brownish. Well, you get more volume, and if you want to put it on a, say, between two buns, then... The portobello is fabulous, but don't pretend that it's something that it's not. It I have had the very expensive, quote-unquote, impossible burger. We're supposed to be the newest uh, iteration of vegetarian burgers, and it's made with uh, whatever. It, it's 13 bucks a pop. It's got different, like, coconut oils and v- vegetable legumes and beet powder so it could bleed, all these things. It is not good, and it doesn't taste anywhere <laughs> nearly as good as just a grilled portobello. Oh, there has there never been, I stake my claim on it, there's never been a veggie burger as good as a grilled portobello. And I'd be surprised if there ever will be. So there, controversial take. <laughs> <laughs> my only argument would be to grill a porcini. Grill a porcini. Grill yeah. a porcini and put it between two buns. That'll change your life. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. How are you going to get me a porcini that big? Uh, or you just have to get oh, little they grow slider that buns? Big. They grow really? that big. Easily. All right, I'm going to hang out with you. I think my life's going to get better. We've got our texter says it wasn't a woodpecker that took those plugs out of them. Mm. Well, then I think it was probably Keebler elves. They took them (laughs) back to their place, and they're just doing some recipe development themselves. Making mushroom cookies, right? (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Let's not discuss it. Okay, so uh, uh, running out of time here. So last questions for the Untamed Mushroom crew. Uh, so you guys are going to be there on Moon Palace Books on Thursday at 7. Anybody who wants to look at these beautiful photos while you're trapped indoors today, go to untamedmushrooms.com. And uh, I think that's probably all we got. You guys, thank you so much for coming in today and talking to me about mushrooms. And thank you for this beautiful book. I'm just going to treasure it forever because I I think uh, like a lot of modern people – 
I have more enthusiasm about mushrooms than I do confidence. <laughs> and so this is just the perfect place because you've got the recipes and you've got the pictures. And I feel that you have given me a naturalist's um, and culinary way into this amazing part of, of the world. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right, we come back. We're going to have some time for a little Ask Me Anything. I've got a couple of questions, but if you have more questions for me, text me, 81807. Dara here. All right, so I've got rival theories. So if you're not following the show, we had a question. Somebody inoculated a fresh oak log with, I think, shiitake spores, then went back. Somebody had pulled all the little plugs out. All right, so here's the new theory. Chipmunks, possibly chipmunks, possibly squirrels. Do you think that a little chipmunk was sitting out there uh, gnawing on a little mushroom Sammy? I think that could be. I don't have a better idea, so don't text me if I'm wrong. I don't know what it could be. <laughs> uh, so I got a question. What is your favorite restaurant for those that don't get out much and Applebee's is a treat? I don't know what to do with that question. That's a very good question. What is my favorite restaurant for, you know, what is my favorite restaurant for a really low price point? Is that the question? You want to get a ton of food and you want to get a variety of things. Um, that might be the Marina Deli in Columbia Heights. That's a, that's a great place. They have this buffet, kind of all you can eat. There's a, um a plate, what is it? Yeah, just Marina Deli, and it's on Central in Columbia Heights. And so at that price point, that's a great pick. But is the que- is the question, or is the question, you know, food that is like Applebee's, but maybe I like it more? Well, then I might go for something like the Ranham Bowl. Have you ever been downstairs to the Ranham Bowl? So that's underneath Casper's Nook in St. Paul, and it's this perfect vintage bowling alley. It looks like you're in a movie set. The burgers, you you get a Juicy Lucy. It's your classic Ranham, I mean, your classic Casper's Nook, amazing Juicy Lucy, and you're eating it in this movie set. So that, so those two, I don't know. If you want, if you're mainly looking for like a ton of interesting food at a low price point, something like Marina Grill, or this place that's called Marhaba. It's M. A-R-H-A-B-A, and it's on the corner of 28th and Nicollet on the kind of edge of Eat Street. So those are two deli, you know, those are two Mediterranean buffet, all you can eat. Like interesting food, best tabbouleh I've ever had is at the Marhaba. Um, Just, you know, interesting, interesting food, great price. But then, um, and then if you're just basically looking for like Applebee's food that I think is a little better, then I would think the Ranham Bowl is a classic oh got a question um about oh even a pizza with mushrooms gives me crazy dreams you know a great mushroom pizza is a is an amazing thing they have one at black sheep in downtown minneapolis that's super good the book is called untamed mushrooms i got a question about that of course uh it's gonna be good i think it's good to have more mushroom thought in the world all right i got a question that came in through facebook we're all conflicted about Facebook now, but I'm still on it. Uh, and you can find me at Dara.Grumdahl. So I got a question on Facebook, and it was, 
uh, is a grandma, and she's cooking with her ki- grandkids. They are three and four, and we all know that's a tough age. And she wants to do something with them that's not cooking. All right, I got two ideas from you, and these are stolen from Molly Katzen. Molly Katzen has a series of books called Salad People. They're full of good ideas. They're for cooking with kids. One of them is literally salad people. So you put together a bunch of little things to eat. Uh, Maybe it's slices of red peppers. You've got avocados. You've got um, peas, like all kinds of things. And you let kids build on a plate like a person. So you might use the avocado for a body. You might use raisins or peas or corn for buttons. You get the idea. So it's a very – and then – um, they will tend to snack on all the little bits while they're eating. So that's a thing. Salad people. Also stolen from Molly Katzen is a kind of a, a everything soup. So what you do is you you warm up some chicken broth or some veggie broth, and then you have a bunch of ramekins filled with whatever kids want to put in there. So it could be some pre-cooked noodles. It could be some peas, all chicken pieces, all kinds of things. And then you just let them make their own soup. So it's on one hand a, a very a lot of dishes on your road to making soup, but on the other hand they're very involved. They feel like they're cooking. It's very cute and fun. That's what I got. I got a question. Line Cook is trying to find a new job, but he doesn't want uh, doesn't have any time and he doesn't really want to broadcast that he's looking for a new job. So what is the what is the way through there? I think the number one way is to start getting pictures of your work out there. Just start making a, you know, start thinking of your Instagram page as a place that's advertising for one person and just start loading it up with your pictures of you and your team and your work so that your future hire can look at it. And so that's a step you can take while you're still working your last job. All right, next week. Oh, I can't believe we're out of time here on Blizzard Saturday. A couple of chefs who have released cookbooks are coming on to talk about how they have simplified what they know about cooking in restaurants to give a little more oomph to cooking at home. So till then, uh, try not to scream at the snow because it won't do you any good, and the snow likes it, I think. <laughs> until then, I'll see you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.